Hey y'all, I'm Justin Mitchell and this is Out Here in America. It's a new show from the Sun-Herald in Biloxi, Mississippi and McClatchy. Over the past few weeks, the stories we've shared have taken place over dining room tables, well-worn couches, and even a small storage closet in the Sun-Herald newsroom. But today's episode is a little different. Hundreds of people in and around Mississippi came down to a little town on the coast called Ocean Springs to see a documentary called Freedom to Marry. The Supreme Court says it will take up the issue of same-sex marriage. The biggest gay rights ruling ever. This is about the dignity of millions of Americans. The essence of the right to marry is the freedom to marry the person you choose. We were lucky enough to have the organization's founder, Evan Wolfson, and director, Eddie Rosenstein, join the audience for a Q&A about the documentary and what drove them to be a part of the fight for marriage equality. With the help of MC and talented drag queen, Miss Lexis Red DeVille, I was able to witness the overwhelming support for LGBT rights in Mississippi. Please stay tuned for a special live episode of Out Here in America. So hey, everybody, and thanks for coming and being a part of our first ever live taping of our podcast out here in America. This podcast has been about coming out and falling in love, about finding God, serving their country, and most terrifying of all, surviving high school. And tonight, one of the men that we're talking to is one of the leading marriage rights advocates in U.S. history. In 1983, Evan Wolfson wrote his Harvard Law School thesis on gay people and the freedom to marry, and went on to become the founder and president of Freedom to Marry. He has been named one of the 100 most influential lawyers in America, and received Columbia University's Bernard Medal of Distinction alongside President Barack Obama in 2012. We're also thrilled to have with us Eddie Rosenstein, who made the film that we all just watched, his previous documentaries include a 2003 film about three low-wage families attempting to extricate themselves from poverty, and a short film narrated by Tom Hanks telling the story of a boat lift that evacuated people from Lower Manhattan on 9-11. So one note before we get started, we'd really like to hear from you guys too. Davin, who is in the audience, has a microphone. So if you have any questions for Evan or Eddie throughout this Q&A, feel free to find Davin and we'll get to you and have your question asked. If you aren't comfortable with getting on the microphone, you can raise your hand and Jordan Marie Smith will bring you a note card and a pen and someone will ask the question for you. And now please help me welcome Evan Wolfson and Eddie Rosenstein on Out Here in America. So nice of you guys to come. It's so great to come here and see such a big crowd. It's, it's really wonderful. So Evan, why did you choose to focus on the marriage part of the equality movement? Well, of course, in the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender movement, and in the broader movement for human rights, there are many, many things we want, many, many things we need, and the work is far from over, no matter how big an accomplishment we deliver. 
But even as a student back in 1983 and then in the decades thereafter, I believed that we needed to fight for the freedom to marry because I believed that first of all, to be denied the freedom to marry was to be denied something very, very important and that caused real injury and harm to the kids we were raising, to our families, to our loved ones, to our communities, and to ourselves. And it also was a betrayal of the values that the United States stands for and the promise it makes to each and every person. And I also believe that there was a pathway for winning, that even though we had been told no, and even though we were in some cases telling ourselves, no, we can't do this, that we could. And so I believe that we needed to fight for the freedom to marry and that we could win. But I also believe not only was it important that we fight for the freedom to marry because marriage is important, but that by working for the freedom to marry, by fighting for the freedom to marry, we would be claiming a vocabulary of love, commitment, family, dignity, equality, inclusion, connection. And that vocabulary would be an engine of transformation that would help non-gay people better understand who gay people are and who trans people are, in a way that would enable us not only to win marriage, but to advance on all fronts. And I, I believed this back in 1983, and I believed it every year with all the ups and downs thereafter, and that's why I felt like we needed to do this. And I think now we can see the power of having engaged in that work and having not only won the freedom to marry, but advanced understanding on so many fronts, and we can now harness that to the work that continues of advancing on all the fronts. So I was just backstage, and I teared up a little bit at the very end of the film when you said the Supreme Court just made same-sex legal across the United States. And I think that really strikes a chord with me here because we're having an event like this right now in Mississippi, and I think that says a lot. You know, we're last place in everything, and <laughs> literally everything. So. The fact that we're even here and hearing those words and people like Molly and Jillian who are in the audience and others are able to get married here says so much. So how did Freedom to Mary's approach differ in the Deep South compared to other regions? Well, first of all, I want to say this is not even my first time in Biloxi. I've been here before and I've been in Mississippi before and had the opportunity to see firsthand the, the community and the courage and the work of certainly the gay and trans people who live here, but also of so many more non-gay people than are given credit for. And one of the things Freedom to Marry really uh, was committed to was understanding that even though we may not win within the four corners of Mississippi, that working in Mississippi and working and partnering with people on the ground here who would be telling their stories and educating the people around them and providing an example and creating space for people to think anew and to rise was important that it would enable us, number one, to create a better environment in states like Mississippi, but also that the work happening in Mississippi and other places contributed to a national strategy and a national effort that would allow us together to get where we needed to be, that, that what's possible in Mississippi is not only what is possible within the Four Corners, but within the contribution that Mississippi and the South can make to a, a truly attentive and smart and integrated and sustained national work in which we all are working together with each other. 
And in the home stretch of the campaign, we were able, fortunately, because of the courage that people here showed in telling their stories and in being in gatherings like this and doing the work and having storytelling like on the podcast, that we were creating and building support, quote unquote, even in Mississippi. And we launched a campaign called Southerners for the Freedom to Marry. We worked with organizations on the ground in the states and organizations like the Campaign for Southern Equality to showcase the support within the South. And we delivered that message nationally saying that all of America is ready. And so I think it's really important that we send and continue to send a message that we do believe we need to keep going and make sure that we advance gains nationwide and in Mississippi. I'd like to take a moment to award you, Eddie, because you are the, the first straight person who's been a guest on the podcast, so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. <laughs> so backstage, I was prepping at the end of the film, and my cousin Kaylee's in the audience, and she texts me and said, oh my god, I'm crying so much right now watching this film. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And something I'd asked Molly and Jillian in their interview was, do you think straight people realize what gay people have to go through to get married? I want to ask you the same question. In making this film, do you find that straight people realize the fight that gay people have had to make to be able to get married? No, I, I think that straight people don't understand that for the most part. But of course, it's hard to put anybody or any group of people into a box because even though when I show this film, I, it, it's really interesting because I, I seem to get more straight people coming to it than gay people, and the reaction is oftentimes bigger. And I think when you give people a chance to understand and to show their kindness and their goodness, people tend to rise up. And like everything else, the troublemakers take up a lot more space than they should. The, the discriminating folks are louder than the kind folks, unfortunately. But I, I don't think that everybody understands how far people have to go to be with somebody that they care about. And I don't think that even young gay people in the cities in, in like the East and in, in California understand the history of this. And that's one of the things I'm really proud about is when I show this to school kids and you get the craziest comments where, you know, young people, straight and gay, say, was it really this bad? And that's amazing that we're at this point outrunning the indignities. We're, we're just putting them in the past slowly, but we're getting there. So shortly after gay marriage became the law of the land, in Mississippi, House Bill 1523 was passed into law and then rescinded and then passed into law again. It's dubbed the Religious Freedom Bill. It's like many religious freedom bills that have been passed in other areas in the country. It basically gives businesses the rights to deny services to gay people based on religious preference. When that happened, a business owner from Bay St. Louis, which is a small town, started this All is Welcome Here campaign. So across the coast, almost every local business had this little sign, and they're still there today. It looks like a carnival ride. It says, all is welcome here. And I think that says a lot about the people who live here and the people who think that we deserve the rights as everyone else. And a lot of our guests this season, including myself, 
talk about staying in places that are full of discrimination. Can you talk about the importance of not leaving those places and why it's so vital to spread the message of equality there? First of all, you know, we all live in all our different communities, all our different places, and none of them are perfect. And, uh, you know, even our own families, much as we love them, can sometimes push our buttons and not be perfect. So I don't think it's a matter of, oh, Mississippi, there's some singular question about why stay here versus there and so on. Everybody always is dealing with a mix of the good, the bad, the challenges, the buttons pushed, the opportunities elsewhere, et cetera. But the people who do stay here because it's home, because they love it, because it's beautiful, because there are so many people they care about, because this is where they built their life, or this is where they found their job, or this is where they're raising their kids, are in an enormous place of opportunity to help other people rise to fairness. And sure, it's unfair to have to endure discrimination. Sure, it's ugly and bitter. And sure, there are often reasons why people don't want to put up with that and seek opportunity elsewhere, and then may find a mix of disappointment and success. But the people who do stay, the people who invest in the community, the people who live their lives and give other people the chance to understand who, in this case, gay people are, who trans people are, who the non-gay people who care about them are and what our shared values are, you are making a difference. First of all, wherever is not perfect, and there are so many reasons to be where we are. What we all have to do is work together in our respective ways to make every place live up to its values and to make our country live up to its values. And if we look at our country, not just the South, not just Mississippi, if we look at our country, our country's deeply on the wrong track. We all have a lot of work to do. I actually think Davin has a question for you as well, Eddie. Sure, so my question was simply going to be um, about the power of art to reach people and to open people's eyes. As a filmmaker, um, we heard Lexis in her episode this season talk about uh, performing in Rent and how that was the first time that she'd ever dressed in drag and how that experience was a life-changing one and I was wondering about your experiences in terms of your film reaching people and also the influences that you've had in your career that have sort of opened your eyes. I didn't know that. That's really a great story about Alexis. Um, and as Davin knows, I've known Davin actually for quite a while and uh, I have a history with Rent as well because um, my best friend at the time, he's passed since, but he wrote the play Rent. And uh, the, there's the Jewish documentary filmmaker in the play, Mark Cohen, who's Mark's my middle name. And, and uh, anyways, so it's this is a conversation that is, I think, why anybody gets into making art or telling stories, which is what I think what we love about them is stories have the ability, as this movement has shown, to help people understand what other lives are like. And it's not just uh, the, the possibility of it, it's also, it's the responsibility of the artist to use that power and to try to give people a sense of empathy. And it's the same thing we all try to leave our, our children, the, those messages, the golden rule. So as we tell our stories, we understand that that's a chance to transport people into somebody else's shoes and let them walk a little bit. And, and understand what they might be feeling and going through. And so the same way that I'm so proud of, of Jonathan that rent can still change lives. And I've still seen people even recently walking out of theaters pissed off. I'm so glad that it can still piss people off. It's still relevant. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah. But these stories and, and, and the stories that you all tell, uh, you know, straight, gay, whoever's here, the, you know, when you talk at the Thanksgiving table or at work, when you share of yourself, you help people to understand who you are. And it's what makes us the same that is so powerful. And, and you know, love tends to win. And so I, I look for stories like that as a filmmaker. I look for stories of regular people changing the world through acts of kindness. And um, although I think we are inundated with media that punches you in the face and, and shows horrible things, and, and that's a big shiny object that we're all, we all sort of get, you know, we gravitate to. But I think these stories, inspirational stories about people like Evan, um, those are what we want to leave behind. I think we have a question from the audience, Davin. We do. So, Evan, over all that time, was there ever a point that you felt like giving up? And do you have advice for other civil rights activists who are growing weary with their own causes? Yeah, so I, I first of all, I was very lucky, I, as the film kind of pokingly showed. I mean, temperamentally, I believed we would win. I never doubted we would win. I truly didn't. And so I was always able to keep going because I always saw the pathway. I always saw the progress. One of the things I used to talk about was you always want to win. And the power of your wins, the building blocks, are what give you more to work with as you then turn to the next wins and the next wins. And you can't win everything at once. You do the building blocks. And that was the strategy. And the wins will trump the losses. But I also used to say, we can't always win on our opponent's time frame. If they choose the battlefield and they choose the time, we may not yet have had enough time to reach the reachable, to move people, to organize. We may not have yet been able to go for, as a small minority far enough in persuading the majority. So we may not always win every battle, but we can always at least engage every battle so as to at least lose forward. Don't get stuck, work your strategy, keep winning. And you have to believe and you have to convey you can win. When you tell people how bad it is all the time, you're giving people permission not to act. When you express cynicism about politicians and how they'll, they'll always do the wrong thing in Jackson, they're always terrible, they're always, you're giving them permission to be terrible. You actually have to say the opposite. You have to say, we expect they can do better. We know they're capable of fairness. They need to hear our voices. They need to understand and then we expect them to do better. That's how we create space for progress instead of giving permission for inaction. Many people, even in the LGBT and the marriage movement, didn't share this optimism. And so it seems like this is an easy story to tell now that they've won. But in 2004, when marriage was a wedge issue, everybody was screaming at Evan, how can you be so optimistic? What are you talking about losing forward? The trick is, in the dark times, and let me ask you, we are certainly being challenged and assaulted on many fronts that we care about now. How do you stay optimistic in the face of such a siege? And, and you know, you're saying it, it, you make it sound easy, but it, it doesn't seem so hopeful right now. How do you, how do you grab onto hope? Yeah, well, I mean, look, there's no question. As I said, our country is on the wrong track. Our political system is dysfunctional. Uh, the Trump-Pence regime is a disgrace and a catastrophe to every American and around the world.
And, and so much of what we care about, not just as LGBT people, but as Americans, and you could go right through all the communities who are harmed and threatened and endangered by this regime, you know, immigrants, Muslims, women. I mean, you could go right down the list of things that are endangered. And so it is hard not to feel horror at that. But I also think we have to remember that the American people did not vote for this. You know, several more million people voted for the other candidates. Woo! Yeah. And had we done our work better in turning out more people and doing our organizing and conveying the work as necessary, we would have won the last election. But also we have neglected and, and acquiesced as our state legislatures are taken away. We have not done the work at the state and local level that we can and should do, which to now say it positively is here are all the opportunities to take things back to fix the country, to move people forward. And it will not happen if we spend all our time saying how bad things are or telling ourselves we can't do it. So um, I was in DC whenever the equality marriage passed and congratulations on that. And whenever it passed, everybody in DC was kind of like, oh, finally, what? it was no big deal. But down here, you know, as they passed the religion law and things like that, my question is, is do you think that it's slow movement here because of population or maybe the Bible Belt area? Or what would you, what's your opinion on that? The, the fact of the matter is, you know, we have a, a very diverse and fragmented and fractious country that has been unified also by some grand hopes, grand aspirations and shared history. But it's a history of struggle and, and battle as well as steps forward. And it's not a secret to anyone here that Mississippi and the South in general has not historically been a leader when it comes to struggles for inclusion, for civil rights, for human rights. But at the same time, we also know, going to the point I was just making earlier, that when those battles come to the South and when people speak up and when people organize and have the courage and the fortitude and also just the human, to build on the, the the human warmth that is here in this region and turn it into real conversations of the need for change, that the power of the South to help move the country forward is also tremendous and historically notable. We are the people of the United States and we need each of us to do our part and the South has a historical voice that makes a real difference and you are the ones who can lead and bring change as you already are doing. I think we have time for one more question. Yes, uh, uh, this is for Eddie, a creative thing. You know, I came in here and I expected it to be a very moving film, and it was, but we laughed a lot. So as a filmmaker, I was wondering about your process. I mean, do you say, oh, somebody say a funny line, or you look at all your, you know, where your footage and you go, this is, I was just wondering your process, and did just, Evan, did you just bother the heck out of him, or what? Yeah, I bothered the heck out of him, that's for sure. I don't think that's even over yet. But um, <laughs> uh, the process on this one, let me just give you a little bit of the backstory. Is uh, My wife and I have two teenage sons, and we're always trying to teach them the things that you know all parents are trying to teach them. You have to you know, make a difference, and the world's screwed, and it's your problem now, and sorry. And, um, <laughs> And as you tell them this, they always say things like, well, we posted four times on Facebook and nothing changed, so I'm done. And, 
But as it turns out, um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, and my parents and Evan's parents are very, very close friends and have been for 60 years. And, and um, even though he's way older than me. Um, <laughs> and so we weren't really friends growing up, but uh, I had to grow up not only wearing his hand-me-downs, but um, listening to the stories of his incomparable genius and potential. <laughs> so that is my mother in the film who's saying, oh, Evan could read the newspaper, you know, prenatally and understand it. <laughs> and uh, she would call me and say, oh, Evan's on Face the Nation. What are you doing, hon? <laughs> so eventually I just said, well, let's just make a film about him and I can just, uh, you know, glom on. But no, but the, the point was that as I'm trying to teach my children that you can make a difference, it dawned on me that I knew somebody, you know, who had spent his whole life trying to prove that to all of us. And this isn't just about LGBT issues. This is about making change. This is about democracy. This is about getting off the bench, getting on the field, strapping on your hard hat, and going to work one day after another. And eventually, that adds up, and the world becomes a better place. That's why I started this thing. But to answer your, your question about the process, as a filmmaker, we are entertainers. And this is, uh, it could have been a, just a didactic, here's the steps of, of a movement, but I do believe that the power of story is really the potential of, of this whole thing. And, and to do that, if you only work on the heart, I mean the head, you've missed a huge opportunity, you have to work on the heart in equal measure, which is sometimes where political campaigns stall out. They haven't reached here. And, Eventually, you have to really encompass the senses. And so humor is an important part of this. And you, know, you have to care about people. So my process, it's a, this is the story of a movement. To me, it's the story of any movement, but one in particular that you, know, you choose things to make it specific so people can understand something. You can't have too many choices, but the problem with telling a story of a movement is you have millions of people in a movement, and all of these are great stories. There's probably many great movies right here in this room, but you have to choose some to stand in, so you have to choose main characters, and you have to hope that the audience will understand what their lives are like, and that will create a sense of, of empathy, and then you have to not only make those characters real, which is the power of storytelling, that they become people that you think you've met and you know and you understand them and you care about them, then help them understand the stakes and the consequences and what they're up against. And so if you can take people on that ride, they'll understand what it's like to your original question of, of what it's like to try to get married or try to raise kids or try to live your life in peace and just be with the person you love. And so it, it's just a simple process of pulling back the curtain and, and letting real life and flesh and blood, you know, permeate. Let's all thank Evan and Eddie for being here tonight. Let's give them a... So before we go, I would just like to say thanks to our wonderful sponsors tonight. David Delk, Rick Lewinog, New Context Creative Agency based in LA and Biloxi, Bacchus Biloxi Beach, Sips in Gulfport, and Prep by KUG. And thanks to our hardworking, wonderful out here in America team, Miss Amanda McCoy, Jordan Marie Smith, 
and the man with the plan, Davin Coburn. Thanks so much to Miss Lexis Red Deville for hosting this wonderful evening. And if you want to hear more stories like Evans and Eddie's and more about people who are living here in other parts of rural America, you can download Out Here in America on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you find your favorite shows. And in the meantime, we'll see you guys soon. If you'd like to see Freedom to Marry, you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for next week's episode of Out Here in America.